Hello, fellow citizens, denizens of the demos or polis. I'm Daryl Lando, and I'll be flying solo for this and perhaps other episodes of this season. I'm going to share my views about so-called cancel culture because it is an important issue that fits under the fourth pillar of our democracy model, the one called diversity and pluralism. Democracy is supposed to allow free expression, to welcome a diversity of views in a marketplace of ideas, and allow a broad diffusion of power among the citizenry. So does this fit with the discourse in social media and in the streets about controversial issues? I'll outline the debate and share my view. In keeping with the format of recent episodes where we focused on two journalistic pieces, I've chosen uh, one from the uh, New York Times by uh, an opinion piece by this uh, staff editor, Spencer Bocat Lindell, and it's titled A Debate About Open Debate, uh, which, by the way, is available if through, you know, and in, in not through other means. Um, you can get it through their debatable newsletter, which you can sign up and receive. But uh, also check out uh, for these links. You can get it on the conservademocracy.ca website. Uh, the other one is the Canada Land podcast, episode number 268, um, and the part of the second half of that deals with this this issue uh, and and so um, yeah so some quick background on cancel culture uh, according to the dictionary it's a way of demanding greater accountability from public figures who are accused of having committed some moral transgression the origin of the phrase is credited to black users of Twitter and may share a lineage with uh, mid-century civil rights boycotts where a united community could take on, you know, some the powerful, essentially. But some are alarmed that it has become a collective attack on someone's reputation. It can deny people opportunities to speak before an audience, and it can get people fired and or put out of business. Um, the phrase call-out culture is often used also in this respect. So it's in that context that uh, the now famous or infamous open letter in Harper's Magazine signed by 153 writers, artists, and academics, uh, including J.K. Rowling, Noam Chomsky, and Mar Margaret Atwood, um, you know, into which that was... Uh, that letter appeared, and it was spurred by writer Thomas Chatterton Williams, who explained, quote, The correction of Trump's abuses cannot become an overcorrection that stifles the principles we believe in, end quote. So, you know, I think we can say that the authors share some sympathy with the progressive left, but are concerned that they may be attacking too broadly or aggressively you know, the right. Um, they are concerned that, quote, editors are fired for running controversial pieces, books are withdrawn for alleged inauthenticity, journalists are barred from writing on certain topics, end quote. Uh, and overall, the way that complex moral issues are reduced to a kind of purity test that makes 
quote, everyone less capable of democratic participation, end quote. So what do the progressives like um, Jesse Brown and his guest Nora Laredo on Canada land make of this? And so in that discussion on the podcast, it's that, you know, they're both kind of dripping sarcasm and scorn on the writers of this letter. They really tear into the concerns that are expressed in it. Um, From their discussion, I infer that they dismiss any of the general fears that exist over so-called cancel culture. Um, You know, Jesse allows that the authors are smart people acting in good faith in kind of in the tradition of Orwell, you know, warning about Big Brother and so forth, but that they create a misguided moral panic, that there's no threat to free speech. Uh, This is not the same as government locking people up in censorship and so forth. Uh, Nora says that really these people fear the mob, um, but they, this is really an expression of an upper class solidarity despite the fact that, you know, the, these people, these famous um, successful people have not uh, been canceled. They haven't had their speech curtailed, unlike many underprivileged people. Uh, all, they just really can't keep up as the times are changing. So liberal elites and Trump's followers share a common dislike of cancel culture because It's all class protectionism, really. And here's my quick take on it. So the woke progressive left sees the power of social media as a tool for justice and for delivering consequences for actions that harm oppressed groups. On the right of the political spectrum, some may also see it this way, while others may just revel in the anonymous verbal grenades that they can launch and the ensuing chaos. And in the center, the people we might call liberals are unhappy with this uncontrolled chaos and mob behavior that delivers real pain with little apparent caution or compassion. As the letter says, quote, the free exchange of information and ideas, the lifeblood of liberal society, is daily becoming more constricted, end quote, leading to ideological conformity. Um, So don't be surprised that I take the liberal position, which is not as exciting, but it's brave enough these days since this centrist stance is always attacked on both sides, uh, and arguing the middle position is never pure. It's open to accusations of hypocrisy and self-serving motives. Nevertheless, um, so cancel culture, which its defenders have called consequence culture, uh, is akin to political correctness. Some felt stifled by political correctness, and it was a, you know, it was a cultural policing of language, and it also served a valuable purpose. It got people to reflect on the power and pain that comes from words and deeds rooted in historic oppression. But when helpful consciousness raising becomes aggressive policing, there will be more of a backlash, and there will be a debate over 
ends justifying means, and I think it is reasonable to express a concern that the means may be unnecessarily, even unhelpfully, adversarial. Some of the people who are called out on social media deserve the consequences they got, and others didn't deserve the scale of punishment. And my concern is that people, you know, who are doing the calling out um, don't care one way or the other. It feels good. It feels powerful to be one of many directing a generalized righteous wrath at a specific, perhaps convenient target. In the absence of a guillotine, uh, people will resort to less deadly punishments. Um, But the trial is just as quick, and some may be judged guilty as much for being part of the privileged class as for any specific actions. So, ideally, people would dial it down online and put the focus more on the behavior that they do or don't want rather than attack the person as much. And bystanders can help by calling for due process and for evidence and reminding people that we all have made mistakes. And beyond the Twitter Twitter sphere, we can choose what we participate in or don't. Pulling down statues isn't always justified or democratic, even if the old culture was not justified or democratic in putting them up. Um, Preventing speakers from talking isn't generally the right approach, even if the speakers are wrong and possibly dangerous. And it's not easy to draw the line. There is really a mutual obligation of the radicals and the defenders to recognize each other or shift a little toward each other. In that way, culture isn't canceled, but it is gradually corrected in a way that doesn't tear the social fabric. I'm not really counseling patience and compromise. I'm, I'm calling for peaceful but persistent protest. And also, as I've heard said by some in the Black Lives Matter movement, um, to keep the focus on systemic change rather than putting most of the attention on a few bad eggs. And change will come faster if the majority of society is on side rather than alienated from the call to action. So let me, as I move towards conclusion, let me return to the sources uh, that I chose in and their debate, their perspective. Um, Obviously, I hope that Nora and Jesse are wrong when they describe this as a moral panic among uh, the dying liberal elite. I don't think this is an imagined problem. I don't think it only affects the privileged, and I don't believe liberalism is dying. I agree that some who decry cancel culture are covering up their own sins, but if actions like this letter offer a small retuning of the culture from flat to sharp, you know, then they will serve a helpful purpose. Uh, But I fully agree with this observation in the Times editorial. Quote, People across a broad range of personal backgrounds and political beliefs have criticized the practice uh, of cancel culture as an imperious tactic of imposing on everyone, including those with relatively little power, a predetermined point of view by force of public shaming instead of persuasion. 
the culture of cancellation, they say, violates the spirit, if not the actual laws, of free expression, end quote. I think this critique is, is valid to a point, except that we shouldn't overstate the impact on free speech, nor undervalue public shaming as a tool of last resort. It's a tool that has often been used by those who the progressives seek to combat against LGBTQ and BIPOC people. Um, so now it's also wielded by woke white youth, but it can be wielded too, heav- too heavy-handedly with too much certainty, such as was done in a Black Lives Matter protest in D.C. where they tried, um, sorry, they mobbed random people and chanted, quote, si- silence is violence. Um, you know, as Bill Maher said, there's something wrong with white folks acting more outraged than the people they seek to help. Uh, and the video of this uh, mobbing and chanting went viral on right-wing social media. So, you know, and it's it's ironic how often the target of cancel wrath is a potential ally in the general cause of progress. Um, Yasha Munk, who was a signatory to the Harper's letter, writes that liberal democracy is not only threatened by the populist right, but also because its values are being abandoned by the left. And many feminists apparently believe that the, or have said that the, the legitimate anger um, from the left should be redirected towards a politics of restoration rather than retribution. So maybe we need a little compassion culture and conversation culture or even constructive confrontation rather than just cancellation. Thank you for listening. On behalf of Conserve Democracy, this is Daryl saying goodbye.